It's time for building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. Tabletop building the game with Jason and friends. It's at the end of the episode. That's when it technically ends. It's time for building the game with Jason and Bess. Tabletop game design. We are both friends, and except for the end of the episode, we don't have to say goodbye. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense, but yeah, that's the way it is. And what we've said before is about not dwelling on the past, right? Yes, that's right. <laughs> well, hey, Bez, uh, as everybody knows, uh, hey, all, I'm Jason. Uh, as always, I am here with Bez, the one and only, the oh. eponymous, the Bez, stuff by Bez, all the Bez. Hello, Bez. Hello, Jason. Hello, everyone listening. And apologies for that terrible song, but maybe it brought a smile to your face. Maybe it reminded you that we're all human, like Jason and I were talking about. You know, even Jason sometimes makes long mistakes. I do. It happens. Um, so, uh, so everybody, you can't tell this, but uh, Bez, uh, she is coming at us from the other side of the world. Uh, big move you had. So you are in Thailand now, correct? Yes, I am in the sort of south of Bangkok, the which is in the north, middle, slightly north of middle of Thailand. And I've been here for almost a month now. I'm still getting used to stuff. The first thing that I wanted to do when I got here was just relax for a few days and hang out with the one friend that Fair. I knew and meet people. And I've managed to continue meeting so many amazing people. I'm really happy with that. Like I met a couple of folk at um, Board Game Academy, which is a board game cafe, including the person who did the Thai translation of Yogi, which is awesome. And then I met this designer who's published like 30 games in Thai and like Dar basically not on board game geek and it reminds you that there's this whole world outside the english speaking mm-hmm. of board game geek don't get me wrong it's the best database we have but it doesn't include everything do you know what i mean it's true yeah it's very very true you know yeah board game geek is a thing we have i'm glad we have it but mm-hmm. uh yeah i mean there's i definitely there's a lot of things about that that are not accurate or correct you know we talk about how the ratings on Board Game Geek, like, what do they mean? <laughs> you know, I mean, even I... beyond this level <clears throat> of subjectivity, it's just a reminder that our knowledge is always going to be just a small part of what actually exists, mm-hmm. whether that comes to science or whether that comes to self understanding or whether that comes to awareness of all the board games in the world. Exactly, right? I mean, there's just so much, so much, mm-hmm. so much. And then um, I went to a local board game cafe, which is like 10 minutes away from me, which is super lovely. That's, oh, I found this. I found another couple of designers. Again, um, their stuff isn't on Board Game Geek either, because from their perspective, well, they're either selling it in Thailand, where people don't use it, or they might one day go to Essen. And if it eventually gets a proper full English release, then at that point they'll sort it out. And like, right? I that's a good point. There's almost an advantage to not putting it on Board Game Geek in that matter because you don't necessarily want it there. Hmm. Um, for if it was, because then it's new and discoverable, right? When it's um, uh, moved to uh, like English or whatever. Um, I'm curious. I know that there's a lot of there's a lot of that going on right now with companies just buying games from, um, you know, the generally like I think the East in general, <laughs> buying them and then you know republishing them in English um, in the West. Yeah, I know Alicat's done a wee bit of that, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. yeah, I think um, oh, there's there's a couple of others like Renegade and like I'm not sure. Yep. Well, I know. I mean, I've heard like from some people that it's, I mean, it's, it's easy money, right? Because it's like, it's a good game. It's done. We have to do a few things (laughs) to it, translate it, do this stuff and then put it out. Like it solves uh, a lot of the steps that you would normally take when you were publishing a brand new game. Right. Um, And so 
Yeah, yeah. So it's it's interesting to me. I, I certainly I don't have any problem with them well, doing that. As long as everyone tastes can differ so much, not just between Asia and you know Europe or America, but also between Thailand and Singapore. So then I met a third publisher who's called Milk, and she does these videos. She's got like a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. So she it turns out she's a yeah. person. And I'm like, wow, it's, you know, quite a privilege that you made the time to come and meet me. And anyway, we played a couple of my finished games. And then she wore, when I said, oh, yeah, I've done it. She said, oh, wow, do you mean this one? It's quite a big deal in Thailand, you know. And I'm like, hey, kind of got instant respect. And one of her games, which I think was just called Lottery, and it's based on the Thai way that people do lotteries. It's a sort of speed game. You're trying to quickly put down numbers and then you grab the lottery cards. And sometimes you have to think, well, did the person do it correctly or not? Because some of the cards you put down are face down. So it's like, well, I'm going to call your bluff. And but whatever. The point is that she said she took it to Singapore and people there are just not enjoying it because there's all these cultural artifacts in the game which only really apply to Thai people and maybe mm. but definitely not Singaporeans because it's so different there. Right. That's interesting. Yeah. I think it's, um... it's all about having different tastes and maybe it's to be fair it might have also just been that convention that she was at because the i think it's called like the asian board game festival but like there's a big thing going on in singapore in november i think once a year and the it's like very much serious gamers so it would make sense maybe they're more about the strategic games but so i just mm -hmm. yeah to undercut what i said a moment ago but like yeah it have what do you think are the main have you seen many massive differences between like different conventions or even different cities within the USA I know that there's um there's some cultural conventions around card games um even state to state in the United States mm -hmm. um you know or or region to region um there's were we have a lot of states that are really big into different trick taking games and there is somewhere like, you know, in Michigan, I can talk about the game Euchre, which is a one of the most popular. It's probably the most popular trick taking game in our state. And if you go two states over, which is not that far, people have never heard of it. Right. <laughs> but like, I mean, like we're born here, like knowing how to play it, I swear. So like, you know, I mean, it. it I do think that there is some really big differences, even regionally. Um but then you start to put in different languages, different, you know, histories and cultures, and suddenly those differences are going to really shine through. And I, I think that's cool. It just means that we have to remember that when we're, you know, making games, um, that there's that kind of that cultural bias and that cultural basis, you know, that we'll never avoid from it. I, I was on this, uh, I had this multicultural class recently that I was taking for my master's and, um, uh, is this really interesting thing where they talked about you know, they were they were speaking about counseling because that's what I'm going for. But um, there's this idea that like when people talk about culture, right? Like, so you and I are from two different countries, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have two completely different backgrounds. Um, so well, let's say when we sit down at a board game table, right? Um, we think about your culture, and we think about my culture. And we think about how those two intersect when we play and also how they're different, right? Um, and we're, we're so tied up in that that we tend to forget that no matter whether we live in the same town, whether we live in the same state, same country, same planet, same hemisphere, whatever, right? Um, there's a shared culture at work, too, that's part of that. Um, and I find that really interesting. So, like, we're always well, discounting... The internet and communication and everything, or do you mean more just because of um, humanity all having these same cultural touch points? Both, both, yeah, yeah, right. I think with the internet and stuff, we've seen more shared culture um, where, you know, 
we're all being exposed to more cultures. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that people discount is that there is that shared culture, you know, because they said when they used to train people in counseling, you know, um, when it was just, I mean, counseling was, of course, originally just a bunch of white dudes because that's that's what it always is, right? Like a bunch of white dudes trying to help a bunch of white dudes. Um, and as they started to get out of that, they were so focused on, well, what is what is this other culture like? How do I learn and master this other culture so that I can do a good job with it? But what they're negating is that, like, they're forgetting to think about the shared culture and what the implications of that shared culture are between everyone and and I think with games, that's a well, big sure, thing. I'm going to say that if I were to list all the commonalities that there are between Bangkok and London, you know, that list would be much, much longer. You know, I could talk about the population density. I could talk about the fact that wherever you are, we all need food and drink. And wherever you are, mm -hmm. yeah, the Thais have a sweet tooth. But let's be honest, you go to any place in, you know, in the UK, Things are sugary as well. Like people normally have coffee or whatever drinks with sugar. Mm -hmm, it's not mm -hmm. an uncommon thing. And but then it's the differences that almost reinforce the similarities, if you know what I mean. Like mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. The first thing that I did um with I came here with two friends, which was quite nice that we kind of took that flight together and then we had um two days together before they went off exploring the rest of Thailand. And mm -hmm. When we got here, we got SIM cards. So it was about 1,500 baht, I want to say, which for anyone who knows GBP is about 30 quid or maybe, I guess, $40. And that gave me three months of unlimited data, which is pretty decent. And I'm going to have to buy a new SIM card before I leave here. But um, just having the internet and having Google Maps and being able to go downstairs and talk to someone who maybe doesn't share the language because I've got this complicated message, but then I open up Google Translate, I type it in, and then she, sure, I may be abdicating lots of responsibility to Google Translate, maybe more than it should ideally have, but it's way better than nothing. And we both hopefully understand that Google Translate is... Right imperfect right, right. so we are able to sort of communicate and i really appreciate the fact that it exists and the fact that i'm able to pull up the map and get around and the fact that yeah there's a park where people go running fairly regularly and the fact that there's meetup.com you know still working here and i actually mm -hmm. left all my london stuff it was quite emotional honestly leaving the london playtest meetup and yeah yeah stuff, like um coming on Tuesday to the first meetup. It wasn't a board game thing, although I do have, like, there's an English language thing on Monday where I've asked, hey, can I bring a couple of words games? Would that be okay? I'm not learning English, but I'm happy to teach other people, and hopefully this will be good for that. And on Tuesday, there is a board game meetup where I'm kind of saying, hey, is it okay for me to play test something? But um, there are these commonalities for sure. I agree. But the commonalities are so prevalent, so much the majority of what exists, that it almost makes more sense to focus on the minority of what exists, which is the differences. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And um, one thing I do want to say is just... Yeah, go, go for it. Um, go for it. Also, when we're talking about cultural differences, we've also got to think about differences from person to person, like neurodiversities. And yes, I've been realizing yes. recently that holistic people, for those who don't know, holistic being the term for anyone who's not autistic, holistic um, mm -hmm. people quite often um, feel like they are the default and anytime there's a miscommunication that happens with an autistic person, that it's the autistic person's fault. But like, you've got to remember that right. it's all about whenever two people come together, it's about meeting halfway. And it's about trying mm -hmm. to understand our differences as best we can. And honestly, it mm -hmm. took me multiple decades of life before I realized people are not like me. People do not all have the same desires. And it's not just that people are making do with things that they don't really want to do. It's that people honestly enjoy doing things that I would never want to do. Do you know what I mean? I know. Absolutely. Yes. Yes. 
there's um there's a quote I want to read here that popped in my head. There was a there was this this guy named Howard Thurman. He was amazing. Um, he was a uh, he started off as like a as a preacher, like a Christian preacher, but he also was a spiritualist, um, and he really was a mystic. He did a lot of different things. But I learned about him in this class, and he has this really cool quote uh, that's exactly what you and I think are talking about. So I would love to hear what you how you feel about this. It's a little long, but I'm going to read it. It's uh, it is hardly reason. It is hardly a reasonable hope that there should ever become a time in human history when there shall be one world politically and socially until humans find out how they can be sustained by one faith. And by one faith, I do not mean one creed, one doctrine, one dogma, one church, but one faith, one pulse beat that is so frontal, so basic to all the movement of life that is capable of feeling all of the little heartbeats and recognized as such. It takes more than a political dream and more than a hunger of body to uh, to ground and sustain a neighborhood the size of a planet. Wow. Um, it's very poetic right? and beautiful. I'm going to, I, like when I hear things, maybe I'm being a bit of a curmudgeon in my older age, but like I listen to that and I think, okay, what's the main takeaway? And like delving a little deeper, I feel like, is this saying, yeah, I'm still trying to wrap my head around it, not going to lie. Um, just... No, no, it's, right? I've read it several times. Uh, I've read his books and stuff, and still, and, you know, for those out there who are not, like, people of, quote, faith, I want to be clear, that's not what he's talking about when he says faith. He's talking about that commonality, right? Like, what like, is that core what thing? What talking about is a willingness to be connected with other people, with yes. ourselves, yes. and with nature, right? Right, right. And he talks a lot, too, about, like, the the inherent value of a person that nothing can take away from, right? That mm-hmm. we are all born with an inherent value as a human being or an inherent value really as a as a creature on this planet, right? And that with that inherent value, nothing can take that away from us. Um, yeah. And so uh, anyways, it's super side note, but I just, uh, he's somebody that I've really grown to love the things he has to say. Um, uh, and they really, yeah, yeah. And it really speaks beyond any sort of like religion or something like that. And that was his goal. And he taught, he caught crap for that being starting off as a, as a minister, he got a lot of crap for the fact that he was trying to move beyond that to something um, more relational to everyone. Cause I think it is about connections. And I think that connections to other people is one of the most important things. But then when I think about what is the most important thing, it's not just connections to other humans, but also connections to ourselves whether that's um you know time spent drawing or singing or just doing things hey this is what i want to do like exploring ourselves mm-hmm. and our own possibilities maybe right, going out right. for a run like yesterday i went for a run with a group and at the start there was a connection with the other person that was beside me and i managed to keep up with them for one lap which was two and a half kilos, and I was really proud of myself. And then the second lap, during which they did basically two more, um, <laughs> right, right. like um, I was walking, but like I was feeling connected to the park around me. I was feeling mm-hmm. connected to all the other runners because in Lumpini Park in Bangkok, you're only meant to go one way on this track. It's like a running track where every evening around sunset, people are like, okay, mm-hmm. It's finally starting to get cool enough that we can run. We'll go out for uh, one. Right, like, right. Um, like no one will really go running that like in the afternoon. That's ridiculous. But um, <laughs> yeah, so it's like connection to the people, connection to the park, and also connection to myself. And I think that these like people of faith, by which I mean religion might say, okay, mm-hmm. there's something beyond that, like connection to spirituality. But whether you agree with that or not, I think we can all agree that these three tenets are super important. And bringing it back to board games, I think that, because um, that's what we're kind of meant to be talking about, I think that all of these things are prevalent, maybe not the connection to nature, 
But um, maybe if you're playing Wingspan, I mean, but the, the connection to yourself is definitely there as you strategize and think about, and the connection to others in any interactive game is definitely there as they share the table. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I like, I'm still working this out in my mind, but I think you right, know, right. See? to me, like I, the big takeaways I think I take are a lot like what you're doing is that it is the connections piece, right? Like how do we connect? How do we find like in a world where we do focus on the differences so much, right? Like, how do we find the commonality to move forward when, you know, there's the, the things that are divisive um, can be so, so terrible, right? Like, I mean, like, and I don't mean terrible because they're divisive. I mean, because they're terrible things, right? Um, mm-hmm. And there are a lot of, a lot of people acting on terrible beliefs and doing really, really awful things. And, you know, it makes it hard to find that commonality sometimes. Um, but I think board games, you know, to, again, to bring it back to board games are, are that connection point, like for some of us. Um, but in addition to that, you know, what really strikes me is that line about the neighborhood, the size of a planet, like there is just something like that hits, it reminds me of the, the overview effect, um, which is, what happens when astronauts um, go into space for the first time and they see the earth and they see oh, the yeah. whole thing and they realize that everything they love and everything they care about uh, and everything that's important to them is, is on that, that thing in front of them. And it's infinitesimal. Um, yeah. And it looks so small compared to everything else. Right. Um, in that, you know, that is really a game changer for a lot of people. Um, I mean, yeah. So it just, it like, kind of reminds me of that. Horror. I mean, let's not delve into, yeah, the problems of H.P. Lovecraft, but I've, because, like, you know, misogyny, racism, whatever. But, um, right, right. Like, I think that there is something really. It, I mean, it's. There's a kind of hopelessness which is kind of defeatist, which you could argue is problematic. Because when we look at the issues facing us as humans, like, um, you know, the global crisis of, like, climate chaos, I mean, that's a serious issue. And for me, it's... I played Daybreak before it was released, and I enjoyed the game. And then the next day, or, like, even that night when I was cycling, I felt a little bit hopeless, because it's like... As players within that game, we were told, this is what you've got to do. The objective is to beat everything. And government mm-hmm. are going to change this. So it's easy to come here and say, you know what? I have no control, really. I can't, unless I spend my entire life on it, and maybe not even then. I can't influence like how big systems of how the government's going to impact mm-hmm. them in the way that... Um, right. A multi-billionaire, you know, dictator can just like say, you know what, I'm going to make a building the size of the moon, which might never happen. But, um, <laughs> right, you know, right. in but the fact that they can think about that and we can't is like, shows the difference, right? Like just seen some ridiculous stuff, but like in one sense, yes, you can be overwhelmed with everything, and I do find mm-hmm. myself at times feeling like hopeless and overwhelmed and what's the point in anything and then i remember like it's the best we can do is just focus on those few connections on our personal impact as best we can i'm not saying that we can abdicate responsibility for anyone else don't be a bystander like if someone's doing something wrong and you're there for sure call them out on it if you feel safe and whatnot but at the same time like i think that and this applies, like, you know, to bring it back to board games. Like, if someone's being shitty at the table, or if someone's, like, giving horrible, mean feedback, whatever, but then mm-hmm. can't control what happens, you know, in a playtest group that we didn't attend, let alone, mm-hmm. you know, in the entire world or the entire galaxy. So I think for my own sanity, the thing to focus on is those small connections. And Richard mm-hmm. Henning of UK Games Expo said a super lovely thing, which I'm because we seem to be focusing on let's 
cheer ourselves up. Richard Denning said, mm-hmm. I used to work in making life possible. There used to be a doctor and it was like, okay, life is possible. We are able to make people healthier in order to live. But games, like they are a small part of what makes life worth living. That might be right, right. the fact, but they bring entertainments. They make us feel things. They bring connections. And I think that is a beautiful thing that it is worth doing. And when we're going through life, I think the key thing is just to enjoy those connections as best we can. Because mm-hmm. when I was like 10 years old, I said, you know what? Life's here and you're going to be gone. So all you can really do is try to not be a horrible person and have a laugh. And somehow along the way, I lost sight of that having a laugh. Like it was, oh, got to get stuff done, stuff done, stuff done. But like sometimes right. I'm not saying have a laugh at the expense of other people, but as long mm-hmm. as you're doing more good than harm, I think that's basically all you can ask for. And remember to take time for yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Super. So, um, so Hey, let's, let's talk about something you're doing though. Let's talk <laughs> about your Kickstarter you have going on right now. Um, I want to, uh, I want to hear about that. Yes. So hashtag drawn together, as I call it, is, I believe, the first ever strategic game actually about colouring in. So I will qualify that slightly to say that I'm aware there are other games that involve colouring in, but I don't believe any of them are fundamentally about that. Like, if you use different colours, they would still be the same game. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sagrada Mm -hmm. It might be a wonderful game, but if you replace the blue with a slightly different shade of blue, that or even a different color, as long as it's you know functionally are able to distinguish it from the other colors, it's not going to impact the game at all. But mm-hmm. in my mind, I was walking around and I was thinking, what could a game that's actually about coloring in be? And I was thinking, well, it's got to be about the aesthetics. It has to matter exactly what color you choose. It has to matter exactly what shape it is that you're coloring. And so Mm -hmm. there's a long kind of rambled story that I could tell, and I'll happily answer any questions. But to kind of get to the end of the story, I decided that the way it had to work is... You one person's trying to color in making it look like one thing, one person's mm-hmm. trying to color in making it look like the other thing, and at the end you get a human, non-player judge, and you ask them, for example, what does this look more like? Love hearts or skull? Or if you're playing the fish versus car sh- sheets, you might say, What does this look more like? A fish or a car? And then the judge will tell you that will determine the winner. And then you'll think, hooray, I managed to maybe by virtue of the colors you chose, maybe the blue makes it look more like the water or maybe um, because you chose two colors that are a little bit closer, but then one of them really um, contrasts that third color is the only one that became prevalent. So even though the Mm -hmm. two things were clearly hearts, they kind of recede compared to the big gray skull, which is one of the sheets that I saw. And... I'm really proud of what I've created. I feel like it is a whole new way of thinking. I feel like it's something that a lot of people are already having fun with. And I decided to make a Kickstarter with more than a couple of differences. I've decided to do things as I sometimes do in my own way. (laughs) Do you? (laughs) I was joking because I know you do things in your own way. I love that. Thank you. Um, like I've been working on this since um, for about two years. I think it was like February 2021. And that's when the idea came. And I'm going to say that within um, a few weeks, it was actually, let's say within a couple of months, it was basically done. And all that I'd done for like a year and a half was like playtest it at conventions show it to people, it had always gone well, 
and sometimes make new sheets. And it was like, I've got to do something with it. Do you know what I mean? I could carry mm -hmm. on testing it. I could try and keep getting more data. And, but this is as good as it's going to get for now without doing something major. And so this Kickstarter that I'm doing now, I consider it not quite like a Steam Early Access because that suggests you'll always be able to get it until it's finally released, but kind of like people who are doing it coming in within these 60 days because it's a very long campaign specifically so that people don't miss it, it will not mm -hmm. be sold anywhere else for at least a year. And the people as part of this Kickstarter will get regular backer only updates where it's like, hey, here's some new sheets, here's my um we tweaks on this. If I and for stretch goals, I've not done anything regarding backer count or money count because that's not really the main point right. of this. Although right. don't get me wrong, I really appreciate that there's like two hundred something people who've backed me and I really appreciate that I've almost got to thousand pounds, which is going to go quite far in Thailand. And I really appreciate You're actually Oh, sorry, you're right. <laughs> I was excited for you. I was like, no, it's over a thousand, but that's that's dollars, not pounds. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> uh, you USD focused people. <laughs> yes. Well, that, it automatically just gives me USD. I don't even have a choice. Like that's just what it gives me. So. Uh, sorry, I'm just giving you a hard time. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kickstarter's fault. Blame them. They are US based, so um so like for the stretch goals, it took me a while to come to this conclusion, and it was only after like a few days of the Kickstarter that I realized, okay, what makes sense is to say every ten times that a sheet is shared between now and I've said August, I am going mm -hmm. to add a new mm -hmm. sheet. And every subsequent ten times that a sheet is shared. I'm going to think about it. I don't know exactly what that means, but I promise you that I'm going to look at the data. I'm going to have a wee think and think, oh, well, if one of the objectives is winning all the time, then clearly it's a bit unbalanced. If it's roughly 50-50, mm -hmm. like if it's like six, like right. if it's six versus four, then, you know, that's within the laws of averages. Like it's still fine, but... I'm going right. to take that data. I'm going to take any feedback. For example, like Heart versus Skull, it's not just because of what I've seen, but someone said, hey, by the way, these points on the sheet, we weren't quite sure whether it was touching or whether it wasn't touching. And things like that. I mean, that feedback, that's really what mm -hmm. after. Right. And after the end of August, like I'll continue improving these things for as long as it takes until it will finally be completely done and I'll have as many sheets as I have. And this is mm -hmm. the, yes, it is kind of open sourcing um, playtesting. So you might say, what the heck are you doing, Bez? You're basically charging people for playtesting, which is why I've put it at, firstly, um, you want to ask me that question, Jason? Like, I won't be offended. Do you want um, <laughs> ask you what question? I'm confused. Like, um, ask me why the heck I'm charging people to play test. Oh no, but I get it. <laughs> like, I mean, I, I don't see it as that. I feel like you are allowing them to help fund a game that they are actively a part of. Um, but but I'll take the bait though. Why are you charging people to pay to play test? You're so mean. That's so mean of you. Why would you do that? Uh, I know it's all in jest, but I loved it. Yeah. Um, if you were not laughing at the moment, I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'd have that little thing. Wait a minute, is Jason really slagging me off? Um, no, have, no, no, no. I know you aren't. But, um, so yeah, basically, I reduced the price to two quid, which I think heart versus skull, fish versus car, have already brought a lot of joy. Um, triangle versus circle, I'm very convinced that that's a good sheet. The other stuff, um, look, basically nothing is ever finished. And that's the truth. Um, like Yogi, that sold 300,000 copies. It's not a fully finished game to my mind. Like, well, it, 
it all depends what you think of as finished. But like Sugar Mick, right? Did I tell you Sugar Mick might have come back and said, "Hey, we like this game. It's still selling. We're not going to discontinue it or anything." But we'd like to like kind of rebrand it, maybe do new art. And if you wanted to change any of the instructions, this would be a good time for you to do that. And then. Since between them telling me that and me kind of thinking about it and the following spiel, 2022, I might have spent Mm -hmm. like a bit of time thinking about it and then finally realizing, hey, you know what? I can improve it. And then my new car distribution is 50% the same as Yogi, 25% from Yogi Guru and 25% like totally all new cards in this ethical totally i've it, it is I'm, I'm fairly sure i'm allowed to say it's happening but no idea when and there's no timeline at all just to kind That's of great. but the point is it's not finished because there's always going to be a new edition you can always redo stuff and there's mm-hmm. something for sure i'm sure like maybe in like now there i've got someone who says oh i really want in a bind i know it's exactly the same but i know you've got like a few in a box would you be willing to give me one and it's really nice and like i'm sure there'll be in like 10 years time someone who says oh i really want the original copy of yogi which that's all kind right, of right. but like fundamentally we improve stuff and things are never finished and this is you are yes hopefully going to help me play test it but you're not even forced to do that you're not beholden to it whatever mm-hmm. you do you will benefit from everyone else giving me this data all i'm asking right. is that you can right. game, enjoy it share the sheets with me you don't have to record anything you just have to share a photograph and then i'll use all that data to it basically validates me it helps me know that people yeah. care about yeah. it because if no one's playing it, what's the point in making it? Even if I don't care about the money, right. which isn't totally true, I do care about money somewhat. Because you know, well, yeah, I mean, you gotta, you gotta live. Yeah, one hundred percent. But like, even if I didn't, I there's no point in me making a game if, like, let's say two people are kind of enjoying it. If I could be working on a game that many people would be enjoying, even if I'm looking at it from a point of view of the connections I make, it's like I want to make stuff that's allowing me to connect with people. This is allowing me to ask people, what would you like to be here? Um, It's allowing me to experiment. I'm able to... um, after the Kickstarter, for sure, I'm going. You're going to see some letter shapes like A versus B and one versus two. Mm-hmm. Is that going to be like two? That, yeah. I don't know, but we'll find out together. I might try something for a free player sheet, which might be terrible, but it might work, and we will find <laughs> out together. And for me, this is super exciting, and I'm really loving that right. people are getting involved in this, and. Look, if you're on a budget, you can just back for a quid. And I'm going to be real here. I hope that people who are able people who are able to print stuff, probably one quid isn't going to make any difference to them. But if it does, get in touch. And I'm not going to ask any questions, then like just mm-hmm. get yeah, up yeah. and let me know. But it's basically a yeah a way for what I've made. It's not perfect, but it still has value. That's basically what I'm saying. Right, right. No, yeah, I think that... So there are three things. I've, I've, I've changed the statement around many times, but I'm going to say it again now. I think there are three things that Kickstarter is made for. One, uh, and I'll start with the, with the, the big one, which is, I think, huge projects that want to make boutique style games like where they couldn't, they couldn't like they're mass market ish, but they couldn't mass market them because they can't, I know I always come back to Marvel United or even a game like a Gloomhaven type thing where the game is so big that you have to be able to support it with a Kickstarter because otherwise the company's not willing to take the risk. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that there are small companies that are trying to do um, you know, trying to get their games out. They're trying to get it made, whether it's a single creator or something like that. And I know you do qualify as that, but I'm going to put you in the third category for this one, which is weird shit. 
And like, <laughs> I think that that is my favorite thing about Kickstarter is that you can do these experiments like this. Like say, you know what? I'm going to make this game and then I'm going to have people pay a very small amount. And, and then I'm going to have them play test it with me essentially. And we're going to figure out what to do with it. And I, I love that because it's, it's, it's using Kickstarter in a way that I think it's really geared for um, that doesn't always happen anymore. You know, it used to uh, in the early days. Um, but now, you know, I, I just think it's really cool and I really respect that. Um, and, and I totally agree. I mean, like whenever I see a Kickstarter like this um, that I'm interested in and it's, you know, it's asking for a dollar American. So one buck, like, you know, I I'll throw 10 at it because like it's 10 bucks, right? I, that's way less than I would pay for most things on Kickstarter. Um, and I think that, you know, for people who are able to do that, it's a great thing to do, but for people who, and that helps it so that, you know, when somebody contacts you and says, Hey, Bez, like, I really want to do this, but I, I, I just can't do it. Um, like you can help them out. Right. I mean, so, um, you know, essentially when I see something like this, I see pay what you want, but at least a dollar. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I and mean, like, so, I yeah. The, um, pledge level at two quid because the difference between one quid and two quid isn't going to make any difference for people. But um, if doubling the money will make a big difference to me. But um, I also wrote as part of that, that if you just pledge for no reward for one quid, then that's totally fine. And there have been a few people who've done that, which... I appreciate and you know the same way that people took me up on my subsidized pledges in my previous kickstarter but this is mm -hmm. different because it is a digital only reward and that makes um delivery a lot easier i can just chop stuff up on a google drive and then link to it in a back only update which is ridiculously easy i can um I've actually still got to find a scanner in Bangkok, to be honest, but I think I found one. But I thought, like, <laughs> Fair enough. I mean, I'm not buying one for myself. I just want, I mean, to be honest, if I wanted to scan stuff in London, I don't know where I would go. I would probably, like, I've got one in my house, but what I normally do is right, I right. that one or I would ask a friend to do it. But, like, given... Right, right. Yeah, anyway. I'm sure... The, um... Like, I just want to clarify. You're right. I keep saying a dollar. Um, that's because I was looking at the wrong spot. As soon as I scrolled down, I realized it was three dollars uh, was the minimum for for American dollars, um, and that is my bad. I was realized your goal was a dollar, um, and so I was reading it backwards. So, anyways, um, yes. So like to be clear, it's three quick. bucks. Um, and like I had trouble or two, or two quid, as you said. So, yeah. Originally, because of the um, funding goal, because which slightly su surprised and saddened me, especially with the message that I got, which was like, you've got one um, chance to explain why this meets our criteria. And it was like very formal looking. And then in the right. end, I only, it was through your Discord group. It was amazing. Someone got me in touch with yeah. you know, someone who works <laughs> with Kickstarter. And I'm like, okay, let me yep. look at it. And that made it so much less stressful because that's a really stressful thing to say to someone. You've got one yeah, chance yeah. to fix this. Right. And, we, uh, we, we are very fortunate to have that in through our Discord <laughs> with Kickstarter, yeah. Because um, currently, um, I think that I've explained it fairly clearly in my text. Like, if only one person ever had backed it, I would have been sad. I would have been slightly surprised because I would have thought, oh, I thought at least one more than one person, like at least five people right, right. who've already played it and said they really enjoyed it would have backed. But I guess I'll give them these two sheets and then leave it at that because clearly there's not enough demand. Do you know what I mean? But right, right. they would have gotten the thing. And the more... Once there were more people, it was like, oh, cool, there's more people. I'm going to make a special sheet for you. And when it came mm -hmm. up to December, before I left London, I made um, what I used to call Christmas tree versus snowman, but someone's called um, fir tree versus snow person, which I do actually prefer as a term. But um, yeah. it's 
like this seasonal thing and we've got a bit of back and forth where people are saying, hey, how about this? How about that? Oh, a jellyfish might be fun. Oh, this kind of animal might be fun. And I've been pondering cat versus dog, but I don't think there's any way to make that without the whole body being like, well, most of it doesn't even matter. Or no, yeah, I just do the head and maybe I'm having second thoughts. I keep thinking about how to make it work, but that's the joy. Is it like keeps it in my mind? It keeps, Uh um, I see something and then I inspire someone to write something and then what they write inspires me. And this to me is the beauty of true collaborative design. It's not designed by community. I do not promise that like, even if a hundred people, well, even if mm-hmm. the majority of people said, oh, you absolutely need to do um, this thing, which in my mind is clearly a terrible idea. I'm not promising I'll do it. Like, <laughs> right, right, but, right. Um, I am going to be seriously influenced. Like if literally a hundred people or even 10 people, frankly, right now said, hey, we really want to see you reattempt Ghost versus Skull. I'd be like, are you sure? I mean... Okay, like why and why are you really asking this? I tried to delve into the reason why they wanted me to re-examine because it's like Mark Rosewatcher says, don't do a shit right, right. just to show you can do it. It's about just yeah, yeah. there's lots of good ideas that you can use first. Anyway. Absolutely, totally agree with that. But yeah, that's um the game. Sorry, I seem to have um, dominated the conversation and gone on a massive um, ramble again once more. Listen, listen, here's the deal. Every week, everyone listens to me jib-jab. Like, I'm here all the time. Uh, so anytime I have a guest that wants to wants to say a bit more, I am always willing to step back and shut up and listen. Uh, especially when it's you and you got good stuff to say. So I always appreciate here's that. Here's the other thing. Um, I could and have just talked for hours nonstop. Like, I have done solo streams. I know I... I think I've talked for, like... Right, right. Ridiculous numbers of hours. So just, like, stop me at some point. Just, like, get in the way. Just, like, stop me. And this applies to everyone. I will always interrupt when I need to. I'm good at that. So I can can butt in. It's never a problem. Um, Yeah, no, but I, I, I think that the Kickstarter thing that you're doing is really cool. Um, You know, I, um... I, I love all the different things that you do. Um, I am a little saddened that it's not called like a game where you're fighting while drawing, trying to ruin the other person's drawing while making yours better. Cause those are my favorite names that you do for games. Um, but it is suggested drawn together. And that was such a good title, but it really is though. As people um, pointed out, it is also the name of the old animation, which is actually pretty good. And I'm surprised I hadn't instantly thought of it because I had watched like the entire series years ago, or um, maybe soon after it came out. Anyway, so the hashtag drawn together game was still available. And then I thought, you know, people are going to hopefully be sharing these finished sheets on social media. So what makes, makes sense, sense is if the name is actually a hashtag. So the name right, isn't right. technically, and I've said it wrong myself a few times, the name isn't technically drawn together game. The name's technically a hashtag drawn together game. So that whenever you right. mention it on social media, it's like, oh, there you go. Yes, that's real smart. No, no, it makes total sense. I, uh, I just love when you come up with the crazy titles because they're my favorite thing. Um, because it seems like a title that explains exactly what the game is should not work, but it mm. does, and it's great, and I love it. So, I mean, it's terrible marketing for many reasons, like Google ability, and um, but yeah, for any publisher who's considering taking on, for example, a game about stuffing balloons as a team without talking. But it's a card game, there are no actual balloons. <laughs> so that is available up for grabs, and we could even retheme it about nightmares in dreams, like about having nice right, and bad right. dreams. But you know, I'm aware that these are not good titles that a publisher and to my mind 
having a ridiculous title like that is almost saying to a potential publisher, hey, you know, give it any title you want. We can talk about that. I am not that invested in this. Listen, though, I don't I don't want to hear you say they're not good titles because they are good titles. <laughs> but all the reasons you said that they're maybe not the right titles are valid, but they're great titles. Uh, and don't forget that. I will always believe um, they're great titles. It's all contextual. I think that for the context of people are going to be buying it specifically from me or at a convention, it's fine. But there are problems and we both know that there's no way that um, any big publisher is going to release a title with more than 10 words in its name. You're, you're correct, yes. I mean, the things you're saying are correct, Bess. I just have my feelings about why I like the titles you come up with. <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. That's really validating. Thank you. <laughs> Well, hey, uh, before we're done here, though, because we've we've talked for a long time, I want to make sure that you get, you have another game to pitch, uh, and I want to hear all about that. Oh yes, um, so obviously, hashtag drawn together game. People should totally um, go onto Kickstarter and search for it, or you know, I'm all over the social media and I'm picking it up. But um, yeah, I recently started a new co-design, and I'm really excited by it. So this is a game where I think, I can't remember where the idea came from exactly, but mm-hmm. I was thinking about gift-giving games and how normally I love a gift of tulips. I love um, Lanterns, the Harvest Festival, where you're giving stuff to other players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, But yeah. you are kind of thinking, what's the worst gift that I can give, right? And so I was thinking to myself, what if... You have to give the best gifts that you can give. And then mm-hmm. I made a version where each turn you were just taking one thing for yourself and one and one thing you gave to someone else. The thing that you gave to someone else, you would score points based on how many of those things they had and how many things touching. And then at mm-hmm. the end, you mm-hmm. would score your own tableau. So... As someone got more and more greens, people would get more and more points for giving them greens, but it would also be giving that person more and more points at the end of the game. And it was kind of enjoyed, and I went home, and then as I was cycling, I was thinking, you know what, even though people weren't really doing this, I can imagine at the top level, the problem here is that it would just come down into too much calculation. Ultimately, you're thinking, okay, who Mm -hmm. am I? to benefit and like it comes into oh that person did the wrong thing so they lost so we my friend doric said no it's a good game you should keep working on it and i said no i'm done with it and i've got other games but if you want to co-design it let's do it so doric said yeah let's do it and so Zork had the idea of instead of just giving gifts, you're doing an auction, which is a very different feel and it moves away from my original Absolutely. idea. But it's kind of more, it's still got a bit of a similar joy. And oh, I guess I should have said so. This game, Doric likes the name Auction Land, and I think I wrote down the name somewhere here, which was a game about taking tiles for yourself auctioning tiles for other people and trying to place your tiles to maximize their points <laughs> so your the tiles create a city you've got um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. offices which all need to be in one block parks and houses need to be separate and then they get multiplied together you've got um your right. factories which need to be on the outside of your grid and what we also added in some relative scoring, if you know what I mean. So rather than that, which is right. all doesn't matter what other players do, we've got statues where first place gets 20, second place gets 10, third place gets five. Mm-hmm. And if someone else is playing, then they get nothing. Sucks to be you. So, um, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> I think that might be the meanest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> 
Only Fortis is like only Fortis wants any moments. It's like, oh, I'm slightly sad that I got no points. It, it is actually funny because we were having a discussion, me and Doric, and I love our co-design. Doric's such a great designer to work with. So if anyone's thinking, oh, should I work? I'd recommend it. Um, so shout out to Doric Kichikoglu. And um, like we had this long conversation about the statue points. And I was thinking maybe it should go like 2010 seven five three so like everyone's got something or maybe finish on just like one point at the end i don't know and then it was like well you want there to be more drama and more excitement and more feeling of yeah i managed to score this five points and frankly the one point yes it's kind of like a pity point but it doesn't make any difference i mean i say that right it's. I'm proud of what we've made because it uses English auctions, which aren't in that many games, because I guess they're too unstructured. But then I've made this small tweak. Can you explain, can you explain how that works? Oh, English yeah. auctions are purely chaotic. So you've got an auction master. In an English auction, you should really have one person who's not part of it. Just saying, okay, do I hear two money? Okay, do I hear oh, any? Okay, okay like, yeah. So it's real time, and people just shout out any number as long as it's higher than the previous number whenever they want. And that's the idea behind an English auction. It's real time, chaotic, and it it leads to maybe a bit more of a party atmosphere. I know some people don't like it so much because of that real time nature. But it also speeds things up a little bit. It adds drama to Mm me. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the English auction, let's say it went for four, where you think clearly this is worth five. The auctioneer is allowed to outbid the last player after they've spent at least, waited at least a few seconds and then said going once, going twice, going So they are allowed to increase it by one, and it's a closed economy. So normally, the winning bid goes to the auctioneer. But if the auctioneer wants to increase the bids, they have to pay the money to the winning bidder, if that makes sense. That that makes total sense. I love that. Thank you. That's really good. And what we discovered, because we playtested it online a couple of times um, last week, this week, um, sorry, my days are all funny. Um, <laughs> it actually works really well. Two players, two players. There basically is no English auction. The player who's it's being auctioned to just says a number, and it becomes a once-around auction where you pick something to auction. The other player has to work out okay exactly what amount is this worth, and then you either take that money from them. Or you give them one more. And that's like such a calculating strategic move that I'm really proud of it. And yeah, Doric also added this innovation where we're making a four by four grid. And anytime you make a line of four things in a row, you get a bonus tile. So sometimes, oh, I don't really want this tile. But because there's another tile on the lineup that I really want, actually, this is worth extra to me. And also, I know mm-hmm. that if the other person takes it. If they're able to get two tiles, it might be worth even more. So um, it definitely feels different at different player counts, but it's at the point where I think we're navigating the edge rule cases. Um, we're discussing whether you should be allowed one bonus tile per turn or two bonus tiles per turn were discussing um, Mm -hmm, what mm -hmm. the exact makeup of the tiles should be, like how many statues maximum should be on a thing, what the variants should be. And like, we had an idea for a slight, um, let's say, adding a little bit of extra fairness to reduce the first player um, advantage, because there is definitely Mm -hmm. a first advantage right now but yeah it's i'm really proud of it and i'm hoping that we manage to get it um into a state where even if people need to supply some of their own stuff 
will be able to sell it for some amounts of money at UK Games Expo at, in a Bessie mm-hmm. bag style format. Again, nothing's perfect. Get it out there. See what people think of it. I'm, right. We are both really enjoying it. And then, yeah, once we've done it, mm-hmm. it's easier to pitch and easier to, you know, it's like the cheap-ass games heyday all over again. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Awesome. That sounds super-duper fun, uh, and I look forward to seeing more of that. Um, And then, uh, yeah, so I super appreciate you hanging out with me today. Uh, Before we go, I want to tell you something. I don't know if I told you this before. I thought of this. You were talking about Yogi. Um, so I once won a Yogi tournament, uh, at my, uh, we were having like the old job I used to work at. We were having like a fun week, like with games and stuff. And one of my friends, uh, introduced me to Yogi, uh, and then he brought it there and said, we're going to have a tournament. And then I won said tournament. Um, yeah, yeah. So I felt pretty good about that. So I looked really silly because if anybody knows Yogi, I had my hands on my nose and stuff and all sorts of crazy positions, but I did it. I did it. That's Um, awesome. Honestly, like I'm hearing two pieces of information that are new to me. Firstly, that you won the tournament, but secondly, that there was a tournament and like, um, you know, firstly, I'm like really happy for you and well done on you for gritting it through and making it way through your <laughs> muscular discomforts and consorting yourself <laughs> in order to win the game. And secondly, I'm really actually enjoying and validated by the fact that your friends was like, let's make a tournament of this stupid game. And I Yeah, yeah, no, it was perfect for, for what we're looking for. It was absolutely perfect. But thank awesome. you for hearing that. Yes, yes. Well, hey, before we go, is there, um, what are the best ways for people to get in touch with you uh, out there in the world? Other (laughs) than, of course, going to Kickstarter and searching hashtag drawn together game. Or if you have trouble finding that, just search Bez uh, and all of Bez's stuff will come up and you can use that to find it. So I am stuffed by Bez everywhere if I can be. And X Twitter um, is, you know, you know, I'm not going to say any more. Um, so I am on Mastodon, which is becoming a really nice place. I'm really enjoying that. Um, I'm on Blue awesome. Sky. Instagram, I don't post so much, but like you can message me, you can follow me, my website. I've got a link tree. It's like linkter dot ee slash stuff by bez and that's all direct you to all my stuff and honestly just search for stuff by bez and hopefully you'll find me around the internet webs but yeah much love to you all and if you sign up to my mailing list i apologize for how disorganized i am with sending stuff out i've asked people (laughs) how often they want to be emailed but I've not worked out how to take that answer and then segment my audience yet, if you know what I mean. So some mm-hmm. people said that they want to be messaged daily, which I've not managed to do. And some people said that they want to be messaged yearly, which I'm going to message you more than that. So currently I'm just doing it like for everyone, maybe one day, like in the next month, I might sit down and really work it out. But I just want to warn people. I'm currently messaging people about once a month fish. Mm-hmm. That's not bad. Once a month is good. I feel like that's good. If I've got important stuff to say, I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to build it up though, because I feel like I'm a person with a lot to say and I'm like, yeah, a lot on the plate and lots of thoughts about coconuts and heat and like, you know, stuff that's around me right now. <laughs> Papaya salad. Yeah. Broken teeth. <laughs> yeah. I love this. <laughs> and obviously games. But, but like games, don't get me wrong. Games are one of my favorite things. And if I absolutely could not make games, I'd probably be doing music. But I love the interaction of games. And I honestly feel like I love working with systems. But... 
to me, it's about that connection with self, like bringing it back to the start, connection with others and all of that. And to me, like what I believe if I made to my own horn once more, hashtag drawn together game, like that's a connection with a new style of thinking that you've probably not had because I think all the time about, okay, how can I maximize my points here and doing a little bit of arithmetic, but never before have I really thought about how can I make this look more like a car and less like a fish. Mm-hmm. I mean, many times in my life I've thought, how can I make this look more like a car because my car might not be that car-like, but I've never worried about it looking like a fish. Do you know what I mean? That's a totally mm-hmm. new thought process to me. And then the idea that you then take it to another person to judge. Yes, there's some subjectivity there, but it's like an invitation mm-hmm. for them to join the game for them to be part of your world for just a moment and for you to make this connection with someone who maybe wasn't even at the table. Right. Right. No, I agree. Well, um, this has been fun. I appreciate you. Uh, You're always welcome here. Uh, I always want to hang out and chat with you. Um, so, and it turns out actually you moving even further away from me has made our scheduling really easy because we're 12 hours apart. Mornings work well for you. Evenings work well for me. So, uh, hopefully we can have you back on again soon because I love having you on the show. That would be super lovely. And, uh, listeners, uh, I'm sure you enjoyed this episode. I hope you did, but uh, you probably did because it's pretty great. So, uh, anytime Baz is here, it's fun. But uh, listen, if you want to get in touch with the podcast, you can go to buildinggamepodcast.com. Uh, you can email us at buildinggamepodcast at gmail.com. You can, uh, of course, join our Discord, which you can find at our website. And then uh, you can uh, also keep coming back every single week. And until next time, good night. Good night. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. Building the game, building the game with Jason and friends, with Jason and friends. The end of the episode, that's when it technically ends.